Protecting your assets for the next generation. You're listening to The Strong Room, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. Today, we continue a discussion with Michael Wolfson, a former assistant chief statistician at Statistics Canada. During his tenure, Michael looked at the last major reform of Canada's tax system, the Carter Commission of the mid-1960s. He's examined and, to some extent, had a hand in the piecemeal changes that have been made over the last 30 years in Canadian tax policy. And he has a perspective on the most recent changes in government tax policy. We begin with the idea of incentives to Canadians to take advantage of what the law allows with respect to deductions and tax planning, while still providing opportunities for income growth and protection. The whole idea of a tax incentive is to um, uh, incent a particular kind of behavior. And if the purpose of the RRSP is to help people or encourage people to save for their retirement, most people are retired by age 71. Uh Actually, that used to be one of my dossiers when I was in the tax policy branch quite a few years ago. Now, you could make the argument that with an aging population, we should be increasing uh, the age uh, or and accommodating people working longer. And we have seen in the last 15 years a turnaround in the, the labor force participation of people 60 to 64 and 65 to 69. I don't see a huge blip in the data for people over 70. And from the Department of Finance point of view, the big concern with the IRSP is the the loss of revenue, the tax deferral. And uh, naturally, people want to defer tax as much as possible as a taxpayer. But if you're protecting the FISC, you want to minimize uh, unnecessary or poorly targeted tax deferral. So, uh, you know, it, it could certainly be a point of discussion in an evaluation that was tabled in Parliament or discussion paper released by the Department of Finance, but given my sense of the evidence on when people are working and when they're leaving the paid labor force, uh, I don't see any good reason for changing that right now. Uh, I think we're into the midst of a, uh, a massive transfer of wealth from the baby boomer generation to the next generation. Um, do you have some thoughts on that as it applies or as the Income Tax Act is applied to that transfer? Well, there's an old line, beware of the, the, the mean, beware of averages, or the story of the guy who drowned crossing a river whose average depth was 18 inches. Uh, when you say there's going to be a massive transfer, uh, you know, half the population has hardly anything in the way of accumulated assets that they'll be transferring for, you know, another, you know, the next big tranche of the main thing that will get transferred is owner-occupied housing. And to some extent, that's going to be... Uh, uh, needed, you know, I guess when people sell and downsize uh, to help cover their, uh, if they need to go into some sort of long-term care or care facility uh, business. So for the upper tail of the distribution, and I guess the folks who are listening to, to this program, uh, there may be a massive uh, transfer, whether it's a farm or a business or something like that, but it's not something that affects the entire population. And then I guess uh, it, uh, you know, there was a, a huge outcry, and the government backed away from its third proposal back in the summer. And I know I'm at risk of getting into trouble on this, which is that uh, the number one uh, 
objective of the Carter Commission summarized in their phrase, a buck is a buck is a buck, was to include capital gains in the income uh, base for tax purposes. And one way that's done in Canada is deemed realization of capital gains at death. The government has created a capital gains rollovers for small business and for farms, uh, but it's uh, one of the provisions that was uh, raised, the so-called surplus stripping last summer, had to do with not just getting $1 million uh, capital gains rollover, but five or six of them, depending on how one organized things. I think that is a, a serious issue that, uh, you know, I guess for political reasons, the government decided not to pursue. But uh, I think it's entirely reasonable for uh, folks to step back and have a look at that and say, how much of that do we uh, really want to uh, countenance in the tax system? Uh, in uh, your column uh, in Troy Media, you talked about basic principles of income taxation require that incomes not be taxed twice, once when received by a corporation and again when the income is paid out as a salary or as a dividend to individual shareholders. Um, can you broaden that conversation a little bit, explain what you mean and, and, um, uh, and, and what you think of the proposed changes as it might apply to that particular section? Yes. The, in the case of salaries, the uh, integration happens between corporations and individuals uh, straightforwardly because uh, for every dollar of salary that a company pays, it gets to deduct that from its income before tax. Meanwhile, the dollar of salary in the hands of the person who receives it gets included. In the case of dividends, there's an approximation made with what's called the dividend gross up and then the dividend tax credit where the gross up is intended to reflect the amount of income tax that uh, the income underlying the dividend would have borne inside the company, and then the dividend tax credit matches that. The trouble is that those are approximations, and there are a number of ways that uh, the principle is not necessarily being uh, met. Uh, of course, in some cases, because of the arithmetic, there might be a, a you know a couple percentage points of over uh, integration, so that you end up paying more tax. But the business about surplus stripping, which I was just alluding to with capital gains on death, is a way of converting uh, what would be otherwise dividend or salary income into capital gains, which is much more lightly uh, taxed. So I think trying to understand. Uh, and making sure that the tax system is neutral, is even-handed, no matter how the income flows. And this was, again, the fundamental principle, a buck is a buck is a buck from the Carter Royal Commission, is is unfinished business uh, right now in Canada's tax system. Another perspective on retirement income is offered by Brenda Prisco, a partner in the Calgary office of Aon Hewitt, a global power in the field of risk, retirement, and health solutions. Brenda speaks to the issue of defined benefit and defined contribution pension plans and how good planning can incorporate these funds into effective use during retirement years. So if we think about a defined benefit plan, the foundational commitment or promise is that predictable lifetime pension. It promises an amount no matter how long somebody lives of a predictable pension. A defined contribution and an RSP are a little different. They commit to a percentage of pay that goes into a savings vehicle, in essence. It accumulates, you know, and I won't get into all the taxes, but it accumulates up until the point of retirement. But here's a little bit of the challenge and a lot of the conversation that's happening in the pension industry with these 
uh, other types of plans is once people get into retirement, how can those plan members then use those accumulated funds to give them better protection in retirement? And so, you know, the, the challenge I think is we know that life expectancy varies dramatically by individual. And so the challenge is how do we uh, as a pension industry and how do plans and how do plan members, you know, turn those accumulated balances into a source of predictable income so that for those who live a very long life, they have enough retirement savings, they have enough to handle retirement risks like health care risks so that they have a happy, healthy lifetime in their retirement. Now, suppose I had a, uh, a defined uh, benefit pension plan uh, and I wanted to fold that into my own life plan or estate plan. Uh, what, what role does that plan take? I mean, does it provide uh, a source of funding per, on a monthly basis uh, to be supplemented by whatever other income I can generate from other sources? Yeah, that varies by the plan. Many plans, once a person reaches retirement age, will just simply provide a monthly income to the plan member for their life and depending on whether they've got a spouse or a dependent and, you know, what form of pension they take. So, yes, and that that's exactly correct. Other plans uh, offer a lump sum transfer. The key thing to think about with a lump sum transfer coming from a plan is that moves all of the risk, including the risk of living a long life and all the future investment returns and all the fees and expenses over to the plan members. And so, you know, as an independent, we always encourage plan members to look at their very carefully, weigh all their options. But but for some of the plans, they do offer that as an option as well. So it varies, it very much varies by pension plan. And the decision is made when the person terminates or when the person retires. And that's true of defined contribution or defined benefit. I mean, there, there's really no difference in that regard. And there are probably tax implications as well that have to be considered. Yeah. Now, the defined, absolutely, the defined contribution plans, back to what I was just describing, the accumulated fund has to somehow, and, and under tax laws by the by the end of the year you turn 70, has to start getting turned into retirement income. So it, so the only point I would make there is depending on the options somebody takes, if they go out and buy an annuity from the individual insurance market versus just have the funds sit and accumulate, you know, that's where there's a, a potential difference in whether the, the amount that comes from that plan is predictable lifetime income or simply uh, a, an accumulated pot of money that's drawn down in retirement income. And, and they vary. So it can vary whether it's defined benefit or defined contribution in RSP. The bottom line on all of this, though, is uh, seek some advice from an expert in terms of your yes. financial planning. Yeah, seek some advice from an expert. The most important part of the message is that you need professional advice in your planning and that the sooner you start the planning process, the better off you will be. We'll continue on that subject in a moment on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.